Who is this SOB? Yeah, like who does he think he is? My thought exactly. Who is this SOB? Who is this SOB? This is Steve Noble, uber-conservative, Bible-thumping, Southern Baptist, syndicated talk radio show host, and I am that SOB. The one who has the nerve to take on some of the most popular podcasts in America when they are wrong, which is often, but much to the surprise of some of you, willing to admit when they are actually right from time to time. So maybe I won't be quite the SOB you'd expect me to be. Only time will tell. On today's SOB podcast, the boys at Pod Save America go on a few rants about President Trump's handling of the coronavirus nightmare and fall all over themselves in the process. So I've got nine clips from that episode to tear into today, but I'll try to keep my cool. And beware, if you have sensitive ears, you don't like to hear bad language. These guys drop a lot of F-bombs. But in order to understand their frustration and really get a full picture for what they think, I decided to leave them in. Hey, and if you like what you hear today, or at least you're willing to give it another try, please subscribe to the podcast and be sure to visit me at whoisthissob.com, where you can leave your unfiltered opinion of the podcast so we can actually try to continue the conversation which would be a nice change of pace in our highly divided nation. Don't you think? Okay, let's dive into Pod Save America from their website, a political podcast for people who aren't ready to give up or go insane. Pod Save America, wink, wink, is an OBS conversation about politics hosted by former Obama aides, spoiler alert, John Favreau, not the director, John Lovett, Dan Pfeiffer, and Tommy Vieter. I think that's how he pronounces it. So anyway, this is uh, from their podcast earlier this year on April 2nd, they called it New Tone. Who dis? Talking about Donald Trump. Donald Trump says he'll have done a great job at the coronavirus death toll. It's between 100,000 and 240,000. So these guys go off in all different kinds of directions here in this podcast. So here we go. Pod Save America meets Who Is This SOB? Welcome to Pod Save America. I'm John Favreau. I'm Dan Pfeiffer. On today's pod, I check in with Wisconsin Democratic Party Chair Ben Wickler about the election they're supposed okay, to Okay, Dan, let's um let's talk about the day that Donald Trump finally became president. <laughs> uh, I, I think uh, Tuesday was one of the most stunning, disturbing White House briefings maybe in history. Um, because the President of the United States and his team told the country that in the best case scenario, uh, where we all follow strict social distancing measures and, and keep most of the economy shut down for months, um, we would lose between 100,000 and 240,000 American lives to the virus. Uh, then, then Donald Trump said that if that historic and absolutely horrifying loss of life comes to pass, quote, we've done a great job. We've done a great job. Uh, that really happened, right, Dan? <laughs> Like, what, what, I mean, what was your what was your first reaction, uh, sort of watching that unfold? I mean, you say it happened, and I vaguely remember seeing it, but it seems impossible to imagine that it actually happened. I mean, it. I guess if there weren't graphs and charts, we wouldn't have known it for sure. But they had those, so it must be real. I mean, it. It was disturbing and upsetting and infuriating. 
Okay, I, I don't like to throw the phrase Trump derangement syndrome around too much, but uh, that's what's happening. And both sides do this, they lose all objectivity because they hate the other side so much. They're going to take anything that's said, anything that wasn't said, and they're going to turn them all into little torpedoes and atom bombs and nuclear tipped weapons. And so, uh, listen, if you if you're expecting to see two million losses, whether you're an, a President Trump or President Obama, whatever, if you're going to see if you've been told, hey, we're going to have two million losses and then you end up only having one hundred thousand, which sounds, I know, kind of heartless. Hey, what? it's only one hundred thousand. But you see the point. You go from two million to one hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, I would say that you did a great job of decreasing the rate of death. Take Trump out of it. If anybody else had done that, if anybody else was leading an effort and that ended up happening, then you would say, yeah, well, you know what? For me as a Christian, praise God, that's a huge drop. Uh, man, that's awesome. Good job, guys. Except the, these guys can't, Dan and John can't do that. Pod Save America can't do that. So many people can't do that. And I agree on many fronts in terms of Donald Trump. I think he's the most inarticulate billionaire perhaps in the history of the world. And like somebody said during the previous election, liberals tend to take him literally, but not seriously. Conservatives take him seriously, but not literally. And so we all know he's a he's a fumbly, tumbly communicator, kind of messy. He's full of himself, yada, yada, yada. They cannot separate that from the facts. And so for these guys, for Pod Save America, facts don't matter. The only thing that matters is how much they hate the guy. And, and that's just, how is that helpful? And it's not even intellectually honest. If a, if a Democrat does something good, I'm I'm perfectly happy to say, hey, good job. I can disagree with you on all kinds of fronts. I can say Nancy Pelosi is a shrew, but when Nancy Pelosi does something good in and of itself, I, you sh we should all be able to say, hey, okay, good job on that one. But they can't do that. And this is pretty much the way the whole podcast goes. Every time they talk about Trump, uh, that's exactly what happens. Okay, let's go to the next one. The thing that I think I took from it was like, we obviously had heard Fauci say this on the Sunday shows and we, you know, we have been consuming every bit of coronavirus news we could have. And we know we've looked at, we've read the, we have, none of us have looked at an actual model, but we've read the reports of the models and we've looked at what the possibilities are. And you look at the numbers and this is what many people have suspected. It was one thing to hear Fauci say it on Sunday because he's sort of our beacon of hope that if he's saying it, then that means he's the person we have as a nation have come to trust the most for this information. But then when you see Trump say it, it's a reminder that this is the person whose job it is to save us. And that is fucking scary. Okay, a couple of things uh, here. First of all, who died and made Dr. Fauci, PhD Fauci, whatever his deal is, who died and made him God? Who died and made him the ultimate authority? That's the way we treat it because he's uh, only one of two, him and Dr. Burke standing up there. But Fauci this and Fauci that. There are other opinions. There are other uh, immunologists. There are other epidemiologists. There are other doctors and PhDs out there. So I'm a little tired of, of Fauci this, Fauci that. So that's one thing. Here's the other thing that, that was even more disturbing. Now, for a liberal, typically... Uh, the government is your savior. The government is the, it's going to sweep in. It's going to fix everything. And for them to sit there and say, uh, you know, what he said about uh, it's uh, whose job is it to save us? He's talking about Trump. And that is effing scary. I'm like, it's not Donald Trump's job to save you guys. It's not Donald Trump's job to save me. Even when, when Donald Trump says, hey, I'm doing a great job running the country. I'm like, uh, excuse me, Mr. President. Do you understand the Constitution? It's not your job to run the country. I know we kind of make the president of the United States the titular head of the country, but constitutionally speaking, he is not. He's the head of the executive branch. 
He's the most powerful person in the U.S. government, but he's the head of one branch, one of three. So there are, if you uh, know anything about the Constitution, and I hope you do, and and you probably know a decent amount. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to Pod Save America or this show. And, And it's checks and balances. So this whole notion that the president of the United States, who likes to say he runs the country, you don't. And when uh, these guys at Pod Save America are saying uh, drives them nuts, whose job Trump's job it is to save us, and that's effing scary. It's not his job to save you. It's your job to take care of yourself and to love your neighbor as yourself. But hey, take care of yourself. It's not the pre- it's not Trump's job. It's not Obama's job. It's never the president's job to save you. And that's the big difference between conservatives and liberals. Generally, one of many is that when everything's hitting the fan, the liberals like, okay, what's the government going to do about it? For a conservative, when everything's hitting the fan, because we believe in individuals more than we believe in the government, it's like, okay, how can we help people to make good decisions and, and, to, and to take care of themselves and to take care of their neighbors? We believe in you, American people, and we want to help you. Now, in the case of this coronavirus nightmare, both sides, Republicans and Democrats, it's the nanny state. I guess they assume we're all idiots and none of us can take care of ourselves and none of us would ever care about the elderly or people that are vulnerable. But these guys look into the president as somebody that's going to save them. No wonder they would say it's effing scary because it is. But that shouldn't be the reality for any of us, liberal or conservative. All right. Next up. Well, that's uh, my first reaction was uh, I became really angry thinking about where other countries are right now, like South Korea and Germany. You know, South Korea reported, I think, uh, a couple hundred cases yesterday. You know, United States and South Korea both had the first infected person on the same day back in January. And their curve has not only flattened, it's almost almost gone now. Um, and, you know, Germany's instituted mass testing. And this, this, this isn't, you know, Trump wants to treat this like it is something that no one ever saw coming, that it's this natural disaster. This wasn't a fucking earthquake, right? Where even, even in, or, or like a, a series of wildfires, right? Where you can look back and say, okay, was the government prepared for this? No, they weren't, right? And, and that's, that's certainly true of, of the Trump administration on this. It's that as the crisis hit, they still fucked it up so badly. And we know that because other countries are handling this and have handled this better than we are. And then it also made me very angry that as he's saying this, and as they're showing us these charts, um, there are states at the time, there were states like Florida and Texas and other Southern states and other, you know, rural states that still haven't fucking issued mandatory stay at home orders. You've got the Trump administration saying that if everything goes well, that if everyone abides by social distancing measures, then we're going to have 100 to 240,000 dead Americans. And they're sitting up there and he hasn't put a fucking phone call in to Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, to tell him to keep people at Florida in Florida at home. And, you know, finally that happened uh, late in the day yesterday, long after that briefing happened. But it's just it's unfucking believable to me. Okay. Okay. Where do I start? Where do I start? Okay. Who saw this coming? Uh, well, we, we all did. Nobody did. We, we all knew everybody knew pandemics. These things happen. Is that a natural disaster? By the way, I think you could call it a natural disaster. 
viruses are from nature. And so that's a natural disaster in one way of looking at it. I think that's an okay way of looking at it. I don't have a problem with that. So it's not like an earthquake. Well, it kind of is, unless of course, China actually unleashed this thing, whether it was accidental or not, we're finding out more all the time. And this is a lesson we all need to learn when we're in the middle of a situation like this, where it's all unfolding in real time, nobody's got complete information all the time. Even the death numbers and mortality rates, all that stuff's incomplete information. Even in countries where things have slowed down, thank God, on the coronavirus, even that's incomplete information because nobody knows how many people actually had it. So in America, at the point of when I'm recording this, you know, there's 600,000 people that have it, and then we have the death, the actual people that have died, which is horrific, every single one of them. But what if we have 10 times more people that have actually had coronavirus or have it right now? Then the mortality rates drop precipitously. I mean, it's a massive drop. And then it's and then it might end up being that it's no more dangerous in general than influenza. We don't know that yet. So everybody cool your jets, including these guys at Pod Save America. But then they start talking about, you know, Germany and South Korea, especially the comparison to South Korea. South Korea is a nation of uniformity. And so South Koreans all get together and they fall in line and it's easy to control that society because that's their nature. That's kind of the way they operate. That's their culture. That's not America. We have rugged individualism, like whether you like it or not, that's the way it is. So Americans don't just fall in line as much as liberals. You might want us to. We're not going to, especially conservatives. We kind of believe in individualism, not collectivism. And that's a big thing here. And then they come in and they're talking about that. So you can't compare all these countries the same because they don't all operate the same. We don't even have the same uh, physical characteristics in terms of health. America is an incredibly unhealthy country (laughs) because we eat garbage and we eat a lot of it. You look at South Korea and Asian countries, China, other places like that, where they have a much better diet. So you're comparing apples and oranges all the time. Now, I want to come back to something I said on the last part. And these guys as liberals, it's all about big government, big government, big government. So the president, why isn't the president calling DeSantis down in Florida and telling him what to do? Well, of course, you're fine with that. You're fine with the big government, the federal government being the nanny state and ultimately God and our savior. Now Trump turns around and I have a big problem with this. And he's saying, I'll tell the states when they can open up. Are you okay with that? Pod Save America, are you okay with that kind of executive power? Unconstitutional executive power? You're telling them, call Florida and tell them to shut down. Now Trump's saying, I'll tell you when to open up. And I guarantee you they're not comfortable with that because they hate Trump. And they're being intellectually dishonest and inconsistent. On one, Do you see that? On one hand, call these idiots and tell them to shut down. On the other hand, there's no way they're going to support Trump telling them when they should open because it's all about Trump. It's not about the truth. It's not about facts. It's just about Trump. And And... For me as a Christian, it's just idolatry. It's like you fall down and worship at the foot of your hatred of Trump. It's crazy. Okay, let's keep going. The numbers that Trump was talking about, the scale of human devastation that was being talked about somewhat blithely by the president, yeah, is so disconnected from the nature of the response, right? Like this is, we are on a schedule, you know, nearly a thousand Americans died yesterday from coronavirus. As this continues, we're going to be a situation in the not too distant future where we are having the equivalent of a Katrina or a 9-11 every single day in terms of the loss of Americans. And to the approach, like that would seem like a let's get serious, all hands on deck approach. Uh, And it's just you don't see that from the Trump administration still like they maybe that they have finally publicly acknowledged the scale of devastation, but they have not scaled up their response or their to meet that. Right. You don't like there's such a lack of urgency in how this is being approached. The only thing 
that they are expressing urgency around are the public relations and the politics, not the public health response. Okay. Oh, all right. Trigger warning, trigger warning, get ready. Cause I'm going to be uh, Mr. Mr. Pro-life nutty Christian guy here for a second. Okay. But let, let's start with them acting like Trump is, is uh, reacting blithely, blithely. Do you know what blithely means? Here's the definition in a way that shows a casual and cheerful indifference considered to be callous or improper. Now they're talking about the press conference where I thought this was a different Trump because all of a sudden I think he had really come to his senses and saw, all right, we've got uh, we've got potentially tens of thousands of Americans that are going to die here. And, and and I think over time he's realized just how serious it is. And so his, his temperament changed, but he's blithely, he's approaching it blithely. Again, that's just... That's when your hatred of somebody has completely overwhelmed your rationality in a way that he's talking about this in a way that shows a casual and cheerful indifference considered to be callous or improper. If anything, he went in the opposite direction of that, which I was pleased with. Again, if you haven't figured it out, I'm not like this big Trump suck up guy. I think he's <laughs> there's a lot of things I agree with, and I think he's done a lot of good things. I can't stand the way that he communicates. I can't stand the way he treats a lot of people. A lot of my Republican conservative friends think I'm a big wimp or I'm somehow liberal because uh, I'm not just bowing down to everything that he does and I don't put a rubber stamp on everything he does. But to say that he's acting blithely when his fellow American citizens are dying and getting sick, that that's what I liked about this press conference is all of a sudden you saw him really own the reality that this isn't so this isn't this is a big deal. People are dying. OK, so the whole blithely thing, which is just off and that's just their hatred blinding them. Now, here's the other thing. These guys are fawning over Pod Save America, fawning over a thousand uh, U.S. deaths a day, a thousand a day. And then it got up recently just a little over two thousand. And is that a big deal? Is that heartbreaking? Is that serious? Absolutely. For me as a Christian, every single life has inestimable worth. From the oldest age, last breath, to the youngest age, to in the womb. And so here's Pod Save America, uh, rightfully so, grieving over the fact that there's a thousand Americans that died on that particular day and, and, and over a thousand a day for, you know, uh, six, seven, eight, nine days. 10 days, the streak is continuing, but, but talk about blithely. Let's talk about abortion guys. And I know you don't want to hear this. And if you want to disagree with 95, 96% of uh, biologists that were surveyed around the world that said, Hey, human life begins a conception, human life. Do you know how many abortions friend there are per day in America per day or per week? You want to go there? Let's go per week per week. It's about 16,500. 16,500 per week. I'm recording this uh, podcast on uh, tax day, April 15th, and we've had 27,176 deaths uh, related to coronavirus. We're not even sure about the, how they define that anymore, but let's just go with it. 27,000 deaths related to coronavirus since it started in America pretty much back in January. Whereas we've, we've lost uh, 16,500 Americans, pre-born Americans, in the womb Americans per week. And, and nobody, no liberal says anything about that because again, you're so given over. If you're a liberal, you're so given over to your position on life that you're now a science denier on that issue. You're a total science denier. That's not a human being. It's just a blob of cells. It's a fetus, blah, blah, blah. No, that's human life. You're a science denier. And these guys make a big deal out of a thousand a day, which is, which is right to do, but they say nothing about the 2,300 plus babies a day that are aborted in America. So where's the response to that? Where's the urgency to that? 
for all my liberal friends out there. That, it's, that is so warped. It's so missing the point that on this hand, man, this is horrific. On the other hand, 2,300 a day, 16,500 a week, no urgency, not even, is there any, any conviction? Is there any guilt there? It sure doesn't seem like it. Okay, I'm gonna jump off my, my soapbox and we'll move on. Yeah, I mean, and on that note, you know, there's a, there's a video I came across yesterday from, it's an ad from Republicans for the rule of law, and it just goes, goes through all of the things that Trump has said about the virus and all the ways that he downplayed it. And by the way, you know, we're going to play the clip now. As you listen to this, all the things he's saying here are in February, and most of them are in March, while the cases in the United States started going up the hundreds and then in the thousands. So here's the clip. Okay, I'm going to play this clip so you can hear it, but I just want to set it up here just a second. Uh, whether you're a liberal or a conservative, a Republican or a Democrat, you ha- we all need to remember that in the media, whether it's a podcast, Fox News, CNN, whatever, uh, I'm doing it right now. I am selling a certain perspective. I'm selling a certain point of view. I have an agenda. The guys at Pod Save America have an agenda. You have an agenda. We all have an agenda. So we all need to be a little more discerning about the fact that we're being sold all the time. Now, typically, you're going to want to buy what you already agree with. So when it comes from a liberal source, you're like, oh, this is great. And that's why we clickbait works. That's why we share and say and, uh, and like things. And then sometimes you've ever done this. I've done this. You, you like it, you share it, then you find out later that it's inaccurate or flat out false. You're like, oh, crap. But I liked the headline. It made me feel good. I, it it, it uh, nuzzled up to my rage or my hatred or whatever. And so I jumped on it. So there's, that's called confirmation bias. So we're always being sold by both sides. You and I need to quit being so weak in our discernment and realize when we're being played. And that's exactly what's happening here with this clip. You could do this to anybody. I could go grab a bunch of clips of anybody and make them sound like a lunatic or heartless, whatever. You could make me sound like the worst person on the planet and spend just a few days listening to my radio show. But let's, let's, we all need to learn some discernment here on the right and on the left because it ticks me off when this happens. Okay, now here's the video clip they're talking about. Are the words about a pandemic at this point? No, we're not at all. How concerned are you? Well, we pretty much shut it down. You know, a lot of people think that goes away in April. We have contained this. I won't say airtight, but pretty close to airtight. It's going to be down to close to zero. It's going to disappear. It's like a miracle. It will disappear. Uh, they could have vaccines, I think, relatively soon. You say to Americans who are concerned that you're not taking this seriously enough. That's CNN. Fake news. The president say, for example, he's going to continue with, with political rallies. Is this sending the right message? Going to a rally? There's no reason that you shouldn't go. It's really working out. The president stopped shaking hands. Uh, in our line of work. Uh, you shake hands. No, I don't take responsibility at all, but it's something that we have tremendous control of. I- How would you rate your response to this crisis? I'd rate it a 10. This is a pandemic. I felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. So you can, you can, you can hear there all the different times that Trump told us uh, not to worry about this, that it wasn't a big deal. I also think at the press briefing itself, he made a, a rather huge admission that, you know, wasn't really seen as that, although the New York Times story that Peter Baker wrote about it sort of got this. Um, in the New York Times, he wrote, Mr. Trump said he played down the seriousness of the threat because he chose to be reassuring. I want to give people hope. I mean, 
That right there is an admission from Trump that he did downplay the crisis because he wanted to be hopeful. But like what that's missing is the fact that because this is a virus and if you downplay the virus and you tell people not to worry about it, they will go spread the fucking virus. They will leave their homes. They will travel. They will be around people when they shouldn't be around people, which could spread the virus. Like by downplaying the virus in a way to give people hope, he was he was facilitating the spread of a deadly virus. And he basically admitted it in the briefing. Okay, I already talked to Bias Slant of, of that video clip and all those clips run together and you're like, oh, he, just, he thought it was nothing and then he started to realize, oh, this is something and then at the point we're at now, it's everything. And so, you know, you, you can just... Now, does anybody, do you, does it, did the Pod Save America guys, and by the way, that's a good, what, what a great liberal name for a podcast, Pod Save America. Like, like, we can't take care of ourselves, which by the way, the nanny state, whether it's where I live in North Carolina and Governor Cooper or, or President Trump or Congress, all over the country, it's the nanny state. We're all too stupid. Apparently, this is what the Pod Save America guys sound like. We're all too stupid as individual citizens, not only to take care of ourselves, but won't care enough to take care of our neighbors. That, do you hear? That's that's part of this message all the time. That's a big government message problem on both the right and the left. It's the lifeblood of the left. The government will solve it. The government will take care of you. And we're looking at Donald Trump to be our savior. No, I don't look to any of you guys to be my savior as a Christian. I already have one of those. But I don't look to the government be, be my savior either. But this big nanny state, holy cow, they're just fine with it uh, as long as it's their guy. But it's somebody else running the nanny state and they don't like it. But so the whole video thing, set that aside. I already made that point. But let me agree with these guys on this one at this point. Okay. And I do that occasionally with these podcasts that I usually pull my hair out what's left when I listen to them. But it's important that we go back and forth and have these dialogues. And I'm trying to be reasonable here, which is, I think, rare. And here's where I agree with them. Did dump, did Trump dump? That's funny. Did Trump downplay it from the start? Yeah, he did. He acted, hey, he, he's got so much bravado. He's got a big ego. And so he's always acting like everything's under control. And that's why I appreciated the press conference that they're alluding to a lot in this podcast, because all of a sudden you could see that he got humbled. I think he got humbled as he started to see, okay, this is, this is going to be tough. Now, I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as they were told it, it was going to be, or we've been told it was going to be. And thank the Lord for that. Still serious in every life, like I said, that is lost. Every, those all matter. It's all heartbreaking. And we're not even talking about the rest of the dominoes with our destruction of our own economy. But in this case, I'm going to agree with these guys. He downplayed it. And by downplaying it in the beginning, that doesn't help. Hey, everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Well, hey, we're up to 27,000 deaths as of the recording of this podcast today. And uh, that's serious. Not as serious as abortion, but it's serious. So I'm going to agree with the Pod Save America guys on this one. I think he was wrong to downplay it. Now, why did he downplay it? I don't know. I can't judge the man's heart. I don't know his heart. I don't know his motivation. Was he given bad information? He did move early to shut down tr uh, travel from China. And then, of course, the Pod Save America guys and all the other liberals called him a, uh, a racist for doing that. <laughs> he just can't win. But I'll, get, I'll concede this point that I think he downplayed it too. And I think that was a poor handling of it. But I'm willing to extend this some, some grace and some mercy. Imagine if you're in this situation. He's in a catch-22. He's in a no-win situation. You can't panic. You're the president of the United States. 
You want to try to be reassuring. You want to try to offer hope, but you also need to be sober minded. He's getting information that ends up changing all the time. And on his watch, somebody tells you, you might have, if you, if you mess this up, you might have 2 million Americans die. Who wants that on their head? Nobody. And you got the political pressure because we're in an election year. So everybody in the house, one third of the Senate and the presidency all up for reelection. And you think any of those people in DC wants this, this blood on their hands? Well, for some of them, maybe they do. A lot of them liberals don't care about the blood that's already on their hands for abortion, nor the Republicans that chime pro-life but don't actually do anything about it. But nobody wants that on their head in an election year. So it's been a big cluster the whole time. And But these guys and a lot of liberals don't want to cut Trump any slack whatsoever. They can't afford to because it's all about hatred. And, and I'm trying to every day to be rational and reasonable. And that's why I get hammered from the right because I'll go after Trump when I think it's necessary. And I get hammered from the left all the time. But I get hammered from the right too because my allegiance isn't to party. It's to, it's to try to be to the truth. And that, I guess, makes me a total freak show anymore. Okay, let's, let's keep going. I mean, the first rule of any crisis is you prepare for the worst and hope for the best. And Trump did the exact opposite here. And he, he did not prepare. And then he gave people false information, which put their lives and the lives of their loved ones at risk. And this isn't a situation where there was like a, a range of expert opinions. And he picked some of the more optimistic ones. He ignored all of the advice of every single medical expert, every single epidemiologist, every single scientist to tell people something that absolutely wasn't true, which led to thousands upon thousands of Americans getting sick in a way they did not need to. It facilitated the states like Florida and Georgia from doing the right thing. He polarized this issue in a partisan way, which made it so that Republican governors thought the Republican thing to do was to downplay the virus and people in their states will die because of that. Okay, a couple things here. Beware of speaking in absolutes. Anybody that speaks in absolutes, sweeping broad language, yeah, you should have a red flag and an alarm signal going off in your head. Just to be intellectually honest, whether it's coming from the right or the left, you should sit there and go, oh, hold on a second. So these guys who apparently are omniscient and know everything uh, are saying that Donald Trump, President Trump ignored all the advice. That's 100%. All the advice, every single medical expert, every single epidemiologist, every single uh, scientist, every single one of them. And they know this how? Pod Save America, how do you have this information? You guys aren't in the White House anymore. And even when you are, were in the White House, you didn't have access to every single piece of information. So how can you speak in such sweeping, ultimate, absolute terms? You can't. So, so anytime you hear that, I just immediately go, okay, they're just pontificating. Talk about partisanship. That's what that is. That's just hatred-driven language. Both sides do it. And we should all try to avoid it. Or at least pay attention to it and go, okay, that's crap. All right. That's point number one from this clip. Point number two. Okay. Polarizing issue. It's the Republican thing to do. And now these Republican governors in Florida and Georgia are going to get people killed. All right. You want to, you want to, you want to play partisan with the coronavirus? Let's play partisan. So right now it's April 15th, uh, 619,000 confirmed cases, 27,176 deaths. Let's look at how these partisan governors are doing. Uh, worst case scenario, New York right? Liberal governor. Then New Jersey, liberal. Massachusetts, liberal. Michigan, liberal. Pennsylvania, liberal. Uh, California, liberal. Illinois, liberal. Florida, Republican. 
And Florida's number what? Eight on the list with 868 uh, total deaths as of today versus Michigan at 1,758, Massachusetts at 957, New Jersey at 2,805. New York, I'm going to set aside because it's such a cluster of people, which is why it's such a mess. But then you go to Georgia, Georgia, 552 deaths. And, uh, but Texas, 350, Republican, Republican, Louisiana, Republican. And, and you've got a bunch of liberals who have worse death counts and more cases. So if you're going to go down that road with the Pod Save America guys, it's a partisan issue. Okay, well, then who's handling it better? But see, I'm not going to go there because I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm fighting to not allow myself to be controlled by partisan politics that I start ignoring the facts. But if you want to wear that shoe, if you're going to put that on the table, guys, I'm going to make you wear it. And so if it's partisan, then the liberals are really screwing this up and people are dying. And the Republicans appear to be doing much better based on the numbers and the facts. But I'm not going there because I think it's unfair and it's intellectually dishonest. Which is why I'm pulling my hair out as I listen to this podcast. And by the way, I'm not saying these guys aren't uh, intelligent. They're obviously intelligent. They're pretty good communicators. I'm sure they're excellent writers. I think they, at some level, care about the country. They care about it differently than I do. They see everything pretty much differently than I do. But, but a lot of this stuff is so controlled by political partisanship and hatred that, that intellectual honesty is dead for the most part. And we all need to be paying attention to that. And we all need to be challenged on that. Okay, let's keep moving on and we'll be done soon. Don't worry, we're not going to be here for two hours. This isn't Joe Rogan. <laughs> Sometimes I wish I were, but uh, let's keep going. And here's a point that I actually agree with about uh, the Republican governor of Georgia. The governor of Georgia, the Republican governor of Georgia, said today that he didn't know that asymptomatic people could spread the virus until yesterday. And that's why he didn't issue a shutdown order sooner. The fucking CDC is located in Georgia. <laughs> and the Republican governor said he didn't know this. Okay, I'm going to keep this short. Huh, I agree. That's ridiculous and pathetic and foolish. I mean, why he didn't know that? I don't know. Neither do the Pod Save America guys. You guys don't know. You act like you know, but you don't. I, can you admit that? I don't know. But yeah, that's ridiculous. Foolish, stupid. Like, what the heck? I'm totally with you there. Okay, only a couple more, then we're done. So, you know, one problem is Trump may have some help rewriting history from his uh, frenemies in the media. Uh, he, he showed up at the briefing and was able to, uh, you know, somberly deliver the news that hundreds of thousands of Americans will probably die. Uh, and as a result, multiple reporters remarked on his performance. Here are some of the highlights. Quote, this is an absolutely new message, a new tone from Trump. Quote, the tone at this briefing feels different. Quote, this is the most effective job of communicating Trump has done during this crisis. And quote, this was a different Donald Trump tonight. I think he gets it. Uh, Dan, do you want to talk while I just uh, quietly scream into the void here? <laughs> I think it was very nice of you to put no names by those quotes. Yeah, yeah it is fucking nice of me. What, what is the bar here? Like, did they expect that he was going to laugh when he delivered this news? Did they expect him to be jovial when he talked about hundreds <laughs> of thousands of Americans dying? Like, what kind of tone did you think was going to accompany that kind of announcement? Okay, well, clearly the Pod Save America boys just can't stand it when anybody gives any kind of credit 
to Donald Trump, especially the media who spends a lot of its time excoriating him. And again, just to make it clear, sometimes <laughs> sometimes uh, I lay into Donald Trump as well. Most of the time, uh, the media does it all the I mean, most of the time they do. It's very rare when they don't. And so in this case, this is again talking about the press conference briefing in question early April when the when the media notices and I noticed it. Did you notice it? And, and the Pod Save America guys noticed it. They just did something different with it. You definitely saw, I think Trump had to eat some humble pie as he realized that this is much more serious than originally thought and much more serious than he originally communicated. However, he's not the only one that had this sliding scale of seriousness going all the way back to January. So here's a timeline, and forgive this source here because it's Fox News, but uh, starting in January... So I'm just going to take you through a few things here just by means of intellectual honesty. So they're saying, oh, now Trump's all of a sudden taking this new tone and they just dismiss it. That's a bunch of crap. The guy's just a loony bin. They can't. They just this is the problem with so-called Trump derangement syndrome. And we all can be guilty of this is that we are unwilling to say anything positive about your our enemy. So when they do something right, when they handle something right, in this case, when they have a somber tone, which was certainly required and necessary and uh, different from the way Trump had handled it in the past. We can't stop for one second. We're so controlled by our hatred and our political ideology that we can't look at another human being, from my perspective, made in the image of God, and say anything good. They just, they're just, like at this point, incapable of it. Which is sad, not just for the boys at Pod Save America, but for all of us. For any of us that struggle to give any kind of compliment whatsoever to anybody else. This is obviously a problem. Okay, back to this list. Uh, January 4th, the head of the University of Hong Kong Center for Infection warns that the city should implement the strictest possible monitoring system because of this new viral phen uh, phenomenon, this new pneumonia. Centers for Disease Control, January 6th, they, live a they issue a level one travel watch, the lowest of its three levels. World Health Organization, January 8th, preliminary identification of a novel virus in a short period of time is a notable achievement, demonstrates China's increased capacity to manage new outbreaks. So they're like saying, hey, good job, guys. January 11th, China reports its first coronavirus death, which, of course, wasn't its first one. Uh, then you go jump down to uh, January 17th. CDC and Department of Homeland Security announced that travelers into the U.S. from Wuhan will undergo new screening at several major airports. Uh, with January 19th, World Health Organization. Not enough is known to draw definite conclusions about how it's transmitted. So early on, they're thinking you can't even transmit it from one person to the next. Point being, I mean, here's a Vox article stating the travel bans to fight viruses don't work. <laughs> January 24th, Trump tweets in praise of China's transparency. That's a joke. 27th, the Biden campaign, their top guy, coronavirus advisor, uh, praises China for being transparent and candid as well and asserted, I think that what you'd have to say about China is it's been more transparent, more candid than it has been during past outbreaks. Then you go to CNN, January 30th. CNN publishes a piece by Brandon Tensley entitled Coronavirus Task Force, another example of Trump's administration's lack of diversity. So we're going to talk about diversity, not the seriousness of the coronavirus, because nobody really knew how serious it was at the end of January. Then you move into February, and now uh, CNN tweets this. There's a virus that's infected 15 million Americans across the country and killed more than 8,200 people this season alone. It's not a new pandemic. It's influenza. No big deal. Hey, this is we have this problem with influenza. See what's happening here? And then as you look into March, now the rhetoric starts to change. People are getting more serious. And uh, then Iran, February 19th, starts to report coronavirus. So this thing is, is ratcheted up over time. 
you get into to March and even in February, people in, Ch- in Chinatown in New York were like, hey, this is ridiculous. What are you worried about? We're having a giant gathering. They had a giant gathering in Chinatown in February that uh, neither Blasio nor Cuomo did anything about. And they were celebrating and saying, hey, if you don't come down here, you're missing out. That was in February. And then March, March 4th, the top New York City health official declares there's no indication that being in a car, being in the subways with someone who's potentially sick is a risk factor. And that's New York City, ground zero. So everybody's opinion on this changed. Everybody's rhetoric on it changed. Everybody's emotional reaction changed, including the president of the United States. God bless him. (laughs) But the Pod Save America guys, you just can't bring yourself to do it. If Trump had an, had, had an immediate, noticeable, tangible, positive impact on you personally or a member of your family personally, could you say, you know what, Mr. President, I can't stand you. I hate your guts, but thanks for that. I really appreciate that. Could they do it? I hope so. But the way, the way you guys are communicating, it sure seems like you can't. But you're not the only ones. There's a whole lot of people here in America, myself, one of them sometimes, that were just so given over to our hatred, political ideology, that we can't even acknowledge when somebody does a decent thing, just a decent human thing. And Trump's activity that day at that press conference was noticed by most liberal reporters and appreciated. But not by the Pod Save America guys, just totally controlled by your anger. And we all need to learn something from that. And you guys as well, we need to all learn how to dial this back. Not changing your convictions, not throwing things out that you believe strongly about. But goodness gracious, can't we have some common human decency or is that dead of the coronavirus too? Okay. This next one is a, is a perfect example of intellectual dishonesty and taking advantage of a terrible situation to once again, go after uh, the devil incarnate Donald Trump. So here the guys are talking about that poor couple that totally misunderstood. And there has to be some just general lack of intelligence here. I know that sounds terrible, but because one of them died, but it's just, it's just a sad, horrible situation. But, We can't blame anybody except Donald Trump. So this is the couple that misunderstood how to use hydroxychloroquine. One other development from that press briefing, CNN didn't take Trump's opening remarks live. And then uh, MSNBC sort of cut away later at 1.2. Basically, only Fox is the only one that's now taking the full briefings live for the full two hours now. Um, Do we count this as progress? Yeah, I think it's progress. And I... I, I mean, the briefings are dangerous misinformation. You know, we've talked about right. the tragic example of the of the couple that took the thought they were taking the drug that Trump has been promising in contravention of science and FDA guidelines and where someone lost their life. OK, good job, guys. Right out of Rahm Emanuel's playbook. Never let a good tragedy go to waste. They're talking about a March 25th story. Man dies, wife hospitalized from investing fish tank cleaner to prevent COVID-19. Self-medication by a Phoenix area couple in their 60s with chloroquine, phosphate, and it's hydroxychloroquine, which is a malaria medication, which is what Trump has always been talking about. Uh, Commonly used uh, by aquariums to clean fish tanks was a prophylactic for COVID-19, resulted in the husband's death and his spouse in a critical care, according to officials. Within 30 minutes of taking chloroquine phosphate, the couple began suffering side effects. I mean, it's a horrible story. So they hear on the on the TV in the press conference because Trump was talking about and these guys slamming. Uh, so this is why everybody uh, shoot first, ask questions later. Right. That's the day. That's the way we do it anymore. And so they're slamming Trump on the hydroxychloroquine, you know, saying it's like it's junk science or something. And obviously it isn't. 
you've been proven wrong literally millions of times because they're cranking out millions of doses of this stuff and people are using it, you know, like Rita Wilson and Tom Hanks and all kinds of other people or hydroxychloroquine in a malaria form, a malaria medication form. That's what the president was talking about. It was perfectly clear. Unfortunately, this couple, and I'm trying to be uh, respectful because it was horrible. I mean, her, her husband died. That's horrific because they misunderstood. And, and quite frankly, and I'm trying to be delicate here, just didn't, I mean, is it just unintelligent? Lack of understanding? I mean, these guys go ballistic because the governor of Georgia didn't understand that uh, COVID-19 could be passed from one person to the next that completely excoriate him. But here's a gentleman, unfortunately, these people just, it's just foolish. Is it ignorance? Is it stupidity? I don't know. It's horrific. It's sad. It's tragic. But then to turn around and lay that at the president's feet when he was specifically talking about hydroxychloroquine malaria medication. Oh, look, there's a hydroxy, there's a uh, chloroquine in our fish tank cleaner. Oh, let's drink that. We'll be okay. And that's tragic and sad. And, and I, maybe you're, maybe you blame the president for that. I don't. That's like saying any, talking about any type of, uh, chemical, any kind of medication. And then you go see the same sounding ingredient in a tool cleaner in your garage and you go, Oh, well then I'll drink this. I'll probably be better. It'll keep me safe. Right. Let be honest for a second. Wouldn't you say that's really foolish? Like that's so unintelligent. And unfortunately, in this case, one of them died and the other one ended up in intensive care or something. I mean, it's just a horrible story. But to blame Donald Trump, I mean, come on, guys, really? God, there's just no grace, no mercy, and not even intellectual honesty. It's just back to Rahm Emanuel, Clinton guy, never let a good tragedy go to waste. Why couldn't you just acknowledge what a terrible incident and what a terrible misunderstanding and uh, unfortunate and move on. Nope, there's an opportunity to slam that scumbag President Trump and we're going to take it. And they did. You know what? And to be quite frank, shame on you guys. And whether you're, if you're uh, uber liberal or uber conservative and you do that stuff, if I do that stuff, shame on me, shame on you. Again, where is the common human decency anymore? It's like gone because we're controlled by politics, which is really sad. Okay, one more and then we're done. Finally, <laughs> with the Pod Save America podcast here on the Who Is This SOB podcast. And so let's go into this last one, which really I think gets to the underlying reason that these guys handle everything the way that they do. And it's all about politics, but specifically about winning elections, even in the midst of this thing that they're decrying over and over again is this tremendous human tragedy. But really, when you boil it all down, what's more important than that? Politics. And within, po and within politics, winning elections. Check this out. And I do think the more, most likely scenario is almost no matter what happens, this will still be an election that is decided by 100,000 votes spread out over four to five states. Yeah. And given that sense, we have a lot of work to do. And I think the other thing, this is why all the advertising, all the messaging, all the organizing is so important right now, which is this is a moment of hyper engagement where even people, voters, you could never reach this far out from an election are paying attention. And so they're either paying attention to what Trump is saying and believing him, or they're going to pay attention to what we're saying to show why they shouldn't believe Trump. So if we were to take a step back and say, this is not the time for ads, this is not the time for politics, we would be making, I think, a potentially fatal error. Because we're not really like, yes, I prefer when Trump's approval numbers are bad because approval numbers are kind of what drives political conversations. If his numbers are bad, he will get worse coverage. 
I will be a happier person. But that's not really how we're going to win the election. What we're going to do right now is provide people with information that creates a context for the decision they'll make in October. And missing the opportunity right now when they are paying attention would be ceding the field to Trump. And I think that would be a, a tragedy. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt here. I'm gonna try to practice what I'm preaching. And I, if if okay, guys, so what what's the bigger tragedy? Let's say we we lose sixty thousand Americans to COVID nineteen here in 2020, and then Donald Trump gets reelected in November for a second term. What's the bigger tragedy? Which is worse? Because I think that's a gentleman at Pod Save America. That's my question for you. That would be my question for people on my side too. Uh, which is worse, 60,000 dead Americans and the COVID uh, virus and all the dominoes that have fallen and the destruction at our own touch of our own economy, all that kind of stuff. Which is worse, that or Joe Biden being the next president of the United States? Because you sit there and go, mm -hmm. and, and when we hesitate on stuff like that, that should show us. Now, for me as a Christian, I'm saying, go, okay, it's going to show you who your gods are. It's going to show you your idols, what's most important to you. And what, when, the, when one of your idols gets attacked, man, you jump into defense mode. You get very emotional about it and you get upset. But these guys, so what's, I'm going to assume, guys, at Pod Save America, that, that the loss of 60,000 Americans and the destruction of our economy for some period of time and maybe the second Great Depression here in American history uh, is worse than Donald Trump getting a second term. But but I can't answer that question for you. But I do pose it to you. I pose it to all of us. Just just is politics everything? Is politics more important than the individual impact on anybody's life, given the loss of life or the destruction of your ability to provide for your family, to keep your business open, and all the other people that are affected that a bit by business that goes down? I mean, we like to think we can come together as Americans, but when we talk like this, Pod Save America, when I screw it up and, and get a hyperpartisan beyond de human decency, I mean, that's that's we all need to look in the mirror on this stuff. And that's why I do this podcast, and that's why I'm talking about Pod Save America and other podcasts, and I have plenty of room for improvement myself. I am not pontificating down. I am merely crying out in the wilderness to both sides and myself included. Is, is the election in November... Really, God, and it, from that perspective, is government your God? When things go wrong, when a virus hits, when the economy tanks, do you look to Washington, D.C., or do you have anything else to look to? We're not supposed to look to ourselves. That's the uh, rugged individualism, American exceptionalism is of the past, and golly, that's just wrong. We can't do that. Even though we're all created in the image of God and have inestimable worth, nah, we can't trust you guys with it. The government needs it. So where do you look? To, to, to where does your help come from, the Bible says. So apparently, for the Pod Save America guys, it's Washington, D.C. And if your God is Washington, D.C. in the political process, then it matters who's sitting on the throne more than anything else, which you can hear over and over again in a hyper-partisan podcast like Pod Save America. Okay, well, there you have it. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast as well as like it. Go to the website, whoisthissob.com. Whoisthissob.com. I'd love to get your comments there. And uh, be sure to share this with your friends. Let's continue the conversation. Like I said, hopefully, I'm not quite the SOB you expected me to be. God willing, we'll talk again real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. <laughs>